Hey y'all, this is Lisa Zahia. Welcome to Becoming You, a podcast about amazing people and how they became who they are today. Join me in welcoming today's guest, Harriet Zafoni. Harriet lives in New York, New York, and is a native of Uganda. She owns multiple businesses, including Harkis Designs, a fair trade company bringing jewelry and housewares from Uganda and Kenya, Fresh Air Cleaning Company, a New York-based commercial cleaning company, and she is the founder of Lend a Hand Uganda, a nonprofit helping children in Uganda. She also just started a new business, a wine and spirits bar in her native country of Uganda. Harriet, thank you so much for being here today. I'm so excited to talk to you. Oh, thanks, Lisa, for having me. I'm excited to have this one-to-one with you. Absolutely. So um, this podcast is called Becoming You because we take inspirational people and talk to them about how they became the person that they are now. So you're a serial entrepreneur and you own multiple businesses. So tell us a little bit about that. What what are the businesses that you own? Yes. So um, right now I I have three enterprises, I would call them. Uh, one of them is a nonprofit. So we don't really call that a business, although we run it as a business. Right. Uh, but the main two, the main businesses are I run is one is Hackett's Designs. That's a fair trade company that I started in 2008. Um, not even, no, not 2008, but when the idea came to me in 2008, we, I didn't really start the business until like 2010. Um, you know, so that business, I work with mainly women in East Africa where they they create these amazing pieces and we sell them on an international level, mainly in the US. We do sell handmade products from jewelry to home, de- home decor and tabletops. We do we sub we distribute to about 50 plus stores in the US currently. Um, the other company is a cleaning company, which I never thought I would ever own or run a cleaning company. That just fell on my laps when a friend of mine needed help to develop the company from a one-man company, which was like for me, it was like a uh, something he was doing for fun, I guess, to, to make a little bit of money. So I came on board and we did, you know, did business development. I became a full 50-50 uh, partner. And now we, company has 15 employees. So those are the two companies I currently run in the US. Great. And the nonprofit is called Lend a Hand Uganda. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, so Lend a Hand Uganda is something um, that came, you know, also came out of, I would say, our same thing, came out of the crash of 2008, where I really wanted to do something for my people back home in Uganda. Um, I partnered with uh, these young men in Uganda who were running a small nonprofit uh, helping kids uh, go, you know, helping kids stay in school or make sure they go to school. Um, We now, we now, we came, I came up, I came up here, talked to a few friends of mine, something I really wanted to do. I needed a little bit of support. I started an uh, I started a nonprofit here in the US. Uh, we now we have been running the nonprofit since 2014. We have a lunch program that we initiated in 2016, and we are feeding kids uh, during their school hours to make sure they, they stay in school and not go hungry during their school time. 
um, the nonprofit has continued to to strive uh, and survive through the pandemic. Although the schools have been closed for almost two years now, we still con- we, we have we have continued to feed those children and their families while they are home. Because remember, they are the same kids who don't have food. If they can't afford school while they're in school, definitely there's no food at home. So during the pandemic, we made sure that while they're home, they still get fed and have a full stomach. Amazing. So it's casual. You're just casually running two large businesses and a nonprofit, living in New York, traveling to Uganda um, monthly every few months. So it's it's not like you're busy, right? Actually, <laughs> I'm very busy. Forget, listen, sometimes I don't, I, I don't even know how I do it. I just find myself doing it, you know, running. Hackis Designs is my passion. It's my dream because Hackis Designs is not just a company. It is a way of life for so many, you know, East African artisans because I work with artisans in Kenya and in Uganda. And imagine having two different countries, although they are both East African countries, they are still two different countries, a little bit of different cultures, but I have to make sure that they all run, you know, hand in hand. Um, As for the cleaning company, oh my God, that one is another, it's a headache in terms of, because you're not, I'm not depending on myself to do the job. I'm depending on other people. And when you really, you really have to be on top of things to make sure that the company runs and survives. Yeah, that I mean, I was kidding about you you not being that busy. Like you to me are the definition of a boss with all capital letters, like running all these companies. So I want to hear about the companies, but first, you know, becoming you, um, tell us a little bit. You were born in Uganda. How did you end up in the US? Yeah, born and raised in Uganda. Um, did my educa part of my education was done in Uganda. Um, then when uh time came to go to college. My dad, um, my dad decided that the best, place, the best place for me to be was in was the UK because I had no attachment there. In terms of uh, being that I, I got pregnant at a very young age, I had a son, and my my father didn't want that to be to represent me. He said, "No, you go, you were mother now, but you can still continue to be to to be to get your education." So they took. My parents took over my son and taking care of him, and they boarded me to the UK for me to continue my, my education. So from the UK after graduation is when I, I came to the US to actually visit my brother who was here. I had no intention of staying in the US because I found it a little bit eh, different um, versus Europe. I was used to the European way of life and living. But when I came here, stayed a little bit with my brother, I realized that he needed me more than I, I need, you know, I need, he needed, he needed me really. So I stayed. And through that, I never looked back. I fell in love with the U.S. and New York, New Jersey has been my homes for almost 20 years now. Amazing. So I, I hear partially there, like, and if this has informed how you've lived your life and developed your businesses, it's like the importance of family. Like your dad was very involved and was like, you're still going to succeed. You saw your brother. So do you feel like that's a big part of your life is like, and thinking about your businesses, it's like the importance of family and the opinions of other people in your family? Yes. For me, family comes first. Um we grew up in a very large family. Um, my my mother, you know, I didn't grow up my I didn't grow up with my mother. So my father and my grandmother were really the people who raised me. And because of that, I was 
surrounded by so many different, my cousins, my nephews, and everybody brought the, their children to, to, uh, to the grandmother for holidays. So I grew up in a big family. And my father made sure that we grew up as sisters because we are 13 girls. We all grew up together and loved each other, despite that some of us, we are from two, two different mothers. Uh, but family really means a lot. And family is not just somebody that your blood related family can even be somebody a stranger you met and that person becomes a family and then becomes a community so I'm really involved in when it comes to family and community that's my number one priority in everything I do that makes sense and it seems like maybe that informs like you're not just running businesses one is a business but there's the nonprofit, and then Harkis is very directly tied to your home which I would also imagine is represented family that like your business incorporate um, Uganda. So can you talk a little bit about that? And like, that's a conscious choice that everything you're doing is supporting um, your country. Yeah. So, you know, when you look at how how I started Harkis, so when when there was a crash in 2008, I decided to take a sabbatical. So I traveled, I went to Asia and of course my home Africa. So I was traveling between Africa and Asia just to figure out what is it I want to do for me that would make sense to me? And then just there and then as I would go, you know, relaxed, I would be going through these markets in Uganda, talking to all these women with their crafts and asking for asking them the pricing. And they would, you know, this one woman told me, oh, she had made this little beautiful handbag and she was selling it to me for dollars. So my lady was like, hmm, I can really, I can really make use of this if you made it this way and then if you if you change the style I can pay you five dollars instead of a dollar so it it comes back to that market was something that it was a market in Uganda women in the market my raised by my grandmother it all came together like okay this is something I can do not only to not only to create um not only to create a little bit of a living but also to uh, to empower these women uh, using skills that they already had. Um, so that's how Hakis was born. And then it also, also encompasses of being raised by, like I said, raised by my grandmother, being tight with my grandmother, seeing what she did, and then having these conversations with these women in the market. It all came together. Amazing. And so so if we think about all the things that you are doing as the boss that you are, managing Harkis, there's the relationships with the artist, and then there's shipping from um, from whichever country or from Uganda or East Africa to the U.S., and then managing all the relationships here, which is mostly some to consumer, but wholesale accounts with stores. Right. Right. So you are clearly busy. <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, although I have a team uh, in Kenya, I have a team, all that coordinates all all the artisans, Um, Uganda, I have a team. That's where I have our biggest warehouses in Uganda. Sometimes we bring the things from Kenya into Uganda to to have one huge shipment. Sometimes we ship separately. Um, Despite having a team and people managing, I still... I deal with all the artisans directly. I pay artisans directly to avoid any middleman. Um, I have to have a conversation with the artisans every, you know, every chance I get. Uh, when a client, when one of our clients here has an issue with a, pro, a product or it didn't come out right or the colors were off, I 
right away I'm in touch with the with the artisan via WhatsApp to have that conversation. So I'm very tied and working in the business with Hackers Designs. I don't see myself never working in the business um, because it's it's like I said, it's my passion and it's it's a di- it's a direct relationship between me and where I grew up. Yeah. I think that that one thing that's important in your business and and why it calls on you to be involved is this isn't, you're not an American woman or a Western woman who's like, oh, we're going to create this import business. We're going to help people, which gets a little problematic, but like you are really straddling your two cultures and managing those relationships, which I think just is very important. Yeah, it is. And uh, for me, my, you know, I, I see people getting on a plane to go, oh, I'm going to Africa. And then there are people who can't afford to go to Africa. So how do you, how do you, how do you bring the beauty, the African beauty to them? Hakis does that. So that's why it's very passionate for me to keep, to keep doing what I'm doing with Hakis Designs, because not only, not only am I creating um, jobs and helping these families put food on their family tables, but I'm also bringing the beauty and the culture at to your door here in the US if you can't get on a plane to go to Africa. And it's what I pride myself in that. Like, oh my God, somebody knows about uh something called a banana fiber, uh Ugandan matoke, because they they bought an item from me that is made from that. And they I they got this little card that explained what it is. So it's it's bridging the two gaps together, bringing them together, like you know, bringing East Africa with the United States under under one roof through just this export exporting of products. It's amazing. And what? Tell me a little bit about working with the artists. What are what are the, some of the big challenges there? I mean, obviously, it's amazing. You're helping them. You're empowering them. But what? Um, are there any challenges there? And how do you deal with them being the boss oh, that you are? Yeah. There's so many challenges. Um, so the, the challenges never stop, but we always have to figure out a way to solve them. Because one thing I pride myself uh, with is I'm a, I'm a problem solver. Um, you, It's very hard to hear me. If I hear somebody complain about the same thing three times, I'm like, okay, what have you done about it? Like, you know, can you stop complaining? Find a solution. So that's what I do. Um, the challenges we face is uh, because, as you know, Africa has some power goes off all the time. Uh, there might be weather now, if you look at what's going on in the world, it can sometimes rain for three months in a row nonstop. That means the materials will not be available because they have to, to use dry materials. That causes a delay of in, in, the supply, in the supply chain. And that is something we deal with all the time. The, one of the things I really appreciate our clients is that they are learning to appreciate, but that is through the education we have we have done to educate them of what you know. I know you had you ordered this this these many products for your for your shop, but unfortunately, due to the rains, we are not we are we are not able to get them in in a timely manner. So those are one of the delays in the supply chain is one of the major problems because of weather, transportation, uh, political you know political issues. Now we have the pandemic. The country, once the country gets it shuts down, the artisan is not able to go from their home to the workshop to 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 make a living. It's impossible. So the challenges are there, but we've 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 survived. We are still surviving, and every day we get a new solution to make sure that 
we we do not you know we do not repeat the same you know we don't repeat having the same complaint all the time right i i love that because you're solution oriented it's a positive mindset and i think that goes to like how we think and how we choose to see ourselves really affects how successful we are so right. between harkus and then you know on the side you're running you're the ceo of this large industrial cleaning company Tell me about some of the what are what are Harriet's tricks to success in in leading this company in international. I would imagine with the cleaning company, there's some of like still, oh, it's the man's world, you know, with doing the contract. So what are what are some of your ways to manage that and show up and succeed? Yeah, um, the cleaning the cleaning business is a tough business to run uh, because one. The main issue with the cleaning business is it's a it's like a revolving door when it comes to the employees. Um, they, for some reason, then they never stay. They it's like they are in one month and three months and they are gone. But I've I had I had to figure it out. Uh, Twenty eighteen was tough for me because that was the first year I be- I started you know be- became part of the cleaning company. And I just couldn't understand it. I was like, okay, why are they, why did they come to work here for two months and left? Why did we train them? Then I I figured out how to keep them. And I figured that out now. It's uh, by making sure you, you are involved directly with them, working with them side to side in terms of giving them that comfort that, okay, this is, this is something, I'm not just sitting there to push you out there. I'm part of this. I'm training you to be better. Uh, we pay very well. I think in all cleaning companies in New York, we are they we pay our guys very very well. So that also helps to keep them. But also, uh, again, having that conversation with them uh, r- regularly and making them understand that hey, if you really want to stay, this is a place for you to stay. We you know you can grow here. You can make enough money. You know, being just because you're cleaning doesn't mean you, you you're not you're not going to be able to feed your family. So those are a few things that I've done in terms of making sure that uh, we keep going and keeping the employees. Um, for the first time in 2020, I've had I've had two ladies I've kept for three years now, and I'm like even through the pandemic they stayed because we kept paying them through the pandemic. Of course, we got a little bit of help from the from federal, but most we have we had some clients who also stayed with us uh, to make sure that we kept our payroll going and that making sure it wasn't money coming to me personally. Actually, I didn't pay myself all throughout the pandemic, but my employees were getting paid. I love that. You know, there's a couple of things you said. One is you've said this more than once. You have a solutions mindset. I feel like I see people all the time be like, "Well, something broke." Where what I'm hearing you say is when you see something broke, you think, well, what are all the ways I could fix it? Right. Um, and you, I really love this. You kept people in the payroll. You pay people a, a good and fair wage. You communicate with them. And that makes me think about how I define success. And for me as a business owner, I don't just think how much money are we making, but how many people am I paying with this money? To me, it's other people. So how do, how do you define success for you? Well, it depends on success is um success depends on whom you're whom you're talking to. Yes. Um some people see success as having money. 
for me, money is a gateway to help others get better. And it's my number one goal. Every time, every time, Lisa, every time I get $5,000 saved, I'm thinking that that half of that is going to go to some uh, somebody is going to make someone else's life better somewhere trust me that's how i define my success is in making sure that other people around me are are well taken care of and they are also doing well for themselves um i love to share so that's part of what i do is sharing um in other words money doesn't make me rather i make the money to make other people's lives better and I share it. That's so beautiful. I love it. So speaking of money, you what are some of the mindset, thoughts, actions with money that have helped you? I, I mean, you've said one, you think about how you can share it, but like working in companies, like you have to sort of embrace these are large sums of money. Like what are some of your key money mindset thoughts or tricks? I, I'm still figuring that out, <laughs> I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe that when when a company, you know, when you make a little bit of, uh, when you get a little bit of money in the company, is making sure you put you put money back into that company. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like for us in the cleaning business, we every time we get a, a nice contract, we make sure we buy a new a new machine to make sure that if if we get another contract again, we are going to be able, instead of using two people, we're going to be able to use four people and cut that work in half. So that's, when it comes to money through companies, that's what I do is putting it back. With Hackett's Designs, um, money, we put money into our artisans. Uh, Right now we are talking about 2022. We hear that wood might become, in, in about 10 years, there won't be any cutting of trees, whether they are, you know, so what are we doing about that? How are we keeping our artisans? How are we going to keep our artisans in business, in, to, in production? So we are, we are working on building a workshop where they can, a work, workshop and a warehouse where they can now start working back to back and be able to store those pieces. And that way they can keep selling throughout the next five years. So again, it's me, money, business, business and money is putting it back in to keep producing. Awesome. I love that. Yeah. I I think a lot of people don't realize that you have to reinvest to grow. You have to. Yeah. And you have to get comfortable. Like personally, I would imagine however much these machines cost are a lot of money and you have to realize it's not your money. It's the company's money. So like you have to learn how to start hearing about dealing with being the boss about large sums of money. Right. And, you know, one is for me, I am learning. I learned that I have to say, although I will, although if you look at fresher cleaning, yes, it's really um, I'm like a, I'm now like 65% owner. Of, you know, it's I'm the, I'm the biggest, you know, the, I'm the largest partner, but I pay myself a salary and the other money has to go into the company. Uh, it doesn't, the money, well, yes, I could decide to say, okay, let me pay myself $50,000 today. No, it doesn't work that way. It, and it's money belonging to the company and everything we do, you know, we have we have to streamline it where the company and the personals are separate and making sure we, you know, pay yourself a salary and make sure the other money goes back into, into the company. And Yeah. 
Absolutely. So one of the things you talked about with the artisans that you work with is empowering women. One of the, you know, aims of this podcast, my messaging is to empower women to be business owners. If people are listening to this and they're like, I want to be like Harriet, like, this is amazing. Um, what, if a woman comes to you and she's like, I want to start a business, what's some of the advice you would give her? Yeah, I've done this a hundred times. I, they come to me and then uh, next week they, they come to you with the same thing, then the other week. And so I say, hey, look, if you have an itch to start a business, the hardest thing to do is to get started. So my suggestion to you right now, jump up, get up and start. And of course, don't, when you start, it's it's hard. It's starting is hard. But when you start, trust me, you're going to realize, you're going to see things. And it's also going to be hard when you start. Don't give up. Keep keep that straight line. Um, advice I give, especially if you're new, network with the same and right-minded people. Avoid the negative noises. Mm-hmm. filter those noises because if somebody's always if you go to someone and say oh i would like to to start this kind of business and they're saying ah oh, you know you can't do it because it's hard is that that's a negative noise that is somebody you don't want to talk to for the next three months until you've you've, you've put your foot in the door you've started your business um so filter the negative noises uh, seek for advice only from the people who will look out for you if somebody is not going to look out for you or give you positive, anything positive, that is not someone you want to have a conversation with regarding what you're trying to do in the business world, because then you never, you will never get anything done. Right. Yeah. I, I always think about, I tell people like get mentors who don't take advice from people who haven't done what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Because if not, I mean, like, you know, like my aunt Jane can have an opinion, but she doesn't really know anything about running a business. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Um, tell us, tell us a little bit about what are your, some of your big goals? What do you want to do next? Well, I think um, right now, actually, I'm in the process of planning, planning our retirement. So um, I'm now, my planning has shifted um, as much as I'm still in the U.S., so, uh, my planning is shifting to Africa right now because that's where we want to retire. And uh, but at the same time, retiring doesn't mean I'm not going to keep doing what I love doing. I I like I love to work. I love to have projects all the time. Uh, we are now setting up something new in Uganda, and uh, we'll see how that goes. Ooh, a new another business. Yes, that's very exciting. So. Um, you're going to retire um, back to Uganda. Mm-hmm. You, um, What are some of the things that you're excited to do there? What do you miss about being there? Oh, my God. The food. Good food. <laughs> <laughs> the food. Um, where we are is hilly, so the walking every day would be great. Uh, stress-free. There's less stress, I'll tell you that. Uh, as much as we love America, it's a very stressful country. Um, there's, uh, there's a very, um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to the food, stress-free living. I know the political arena can be 
terrible, but we, we are able to separate ourselves from that if we can. I mean, we do. You, you can say that about here too. Right. Yeah. Um, we, um, I'm looking forward to having my family around, you know, the, I have family here, but because like I say, it's stressful. Sometimes I so I have family here and sometimes I don't see my brother for three months and he's right here in Connecticut. How, you know, the only time you see him, of course, we talk almost every other day, but the only time you see him and the, my nieces and nephews, is when it's a holiday, you know? Uh, so I want to be close to family back in Uganda. Uh, the other thing I really, really look forward to in Uganda is having people do things for me. <laughs> I can afford that in Uganda. I can't afford that here. So. <laughs> New York is a tough place to do that. Yeah, so that's... Yeah, waking up and a chef, you you know, you have a chef in the corner, they are bringing you breakfast. I'm like, ah, that's that's the way to live. <laughs> Yeah, that is the way to live. That's amazing. I'm excited about that for you. So if we want to buy some, uh, can you tell us just a little bit, Harkis Designs, tell me it's housewares and jewelry. Yeah, it's so it's fashion and home accessories. So fashion, we mostly we mostly do jewelry, uh, which are unique pieces, one of a kind. Uh, we, 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 we expertise ourselves in using horn, brass, leather, and wood. Everything is natural materials. And then for the home, we do tabletops, we do kitchen, we do kitchenware, and everything is handmade. We we of that is also horn, horn and wood, uh, with and brass, of course. Uh, so for more on that, you can go to our website, just just Google Hackis Designs, which is I'll put it, I'll put it in the notes yeah. for the show. So, and yeah, uh, so that's uh that's Holidays are already here. I know some people are doing last minute shopping. So why not go go in and see if you can get something shipped to you um, right away? Yeah. And uh, we'll put a link to it. But I just want to say this jewelry is epic. Like it's it's big and bold and it's so beautiful. So I'm excited for everybody to see it. Harriet, if you had a message to all women as they, you know, strive to not just create businesses, but like create lives on their terms, what would you want to tell them? Make your own money. Don't depend on anyone. I know we have loving husbands out there. I I know I can testify to that. They're loving, they're caring, they're giving, but you are a woman today, make your own money. I love that. It keeps you safe. Yeah, safe. And it gives you that independence. And it also, it's, and women, I think we need, I know we have the voice, but we need to be louder. And when you make your little bit of your own money, that voice becomes louder, then people will listen to you. Yes. Yeah. I always say like, like fortunately or unfortunately, uh, money can give you power. So yeah. like, don't we think we're talking about politics in a lot of countries, even, I mean, not even including the U.S. I want to hear what more women have to say. Yeah, we do. It's, um, you know, we are still as much, we are so powerful, but not yet there. We we still need to make a little bit of more noise. And maybe when we're out there being CEOs, being the bosses we are, not only in the homes or in the kitchens, let, let's take it to the streets and become bosses everywhere. Let's do it. I love it. Harriet, you are such an inspiration. Boss with a capital B. Um, I'm excited for everybody to learn more about you. And thank you for all the inspiration today. Thanks, Lisa, for having me. I enjoyed it. And yeah, hope uh, let's see what the listeners say. And um, I'm here. Thank you.